Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. We're talking about, um, the last time I preached was a few weeks ago, and I talked about revival, I talked about um, seeking God's face, and, um, it's too dark, seeking God's face. Here's the thing is, um, we don't need the show, we don't need the lights, we don't need big instruments, we don't need the light show and people on stage uh, for us to encounter the Holy Spirit, for us to encounter Jesus in our worship, right? And so I find it really funny that today I'm still just repeating some of what I said last, a couple of weeks ago, but moving it on a little bit into understanding what it means to be people who just have revival going on in our hearts all the time. And I'm kind of, I don't know how you all feel about this tonight, but I'm laughing on the inside so much. And I feel like Jesus is too, because he wants us utterly dependent on him. Utterly dependent on him for the very breath in our lungs. Um, And so that we don't have power tonight and a big, you know, sound system and all the rest happening. It's just a really great example for us to go, I can worship like this in my lounge room. I can worship like this in my car. If I can worship like this next to a friend who's sitting on the couch, we can have these same kinds of moments. He wants us to be having these moments all the time with him entering into a place of worship, not dependent on brilliant soundtracks and lights and sounds and smoke machines and all the rest, great as they might be, right? We just can't depend on those things. If we start in our worship to rely on those things, we're not actually worshipping now. We're just having a um, spectator moment in worship, right? It's not really what I'm talking about, but um, let's just pray. So even though we've been praying... I like to do it all the time anyway. Um, Jesus, we do, we do just, you are king. You are king. And you, you, we enthrone you on our hearts. We enthrone you in our praises. We place you as that first and foremost vital person in our life. We give our hearts to you. We give our lives to you, God. And we say, have your way in everything that we're doing. Every day that we live, every moment that we, that we have breath in our lungs, we want it to bring honor to your name and glory to your name. And we invite, we invite you into every moment in our lives so that you would be um, who you want to be through us. Not a version, an earthly version or a worldly version or a religious version or some kind of version of other person that we think is amazing. You, through us, you authentically showing us who we are and who you want to be through us and then so that we can touch the world around about us. I pray great anointing on us. I pray great revival upon us. I pray, God, your presence would go with us everywhere. We want to be the people who follow the, the, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. They just packed up everything, the Israelites, and they went with your presence. Wherever you went, they followed. We want to be the people who follow you and do what you're doing, being involved in what you're doing on the earth all the time, not the human side. God, we want you. We're doing you. We're doing God. We're doing revival. We're doing church the way you want church, God. And um, forgive us when we haven't. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, So we talk about revival a lot. And a lot of people talk about revival. A lot of people talk about it. Um, But the really simple thing is really two parts to it. There's the personal revival. There's my heart. There's in continual submission to the Lord Jesus Christ, continual um, surrendered um, status in my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, willing to um, repent and forgive anything, anyone, repent of anything at any moment that he might shine light on in my heart, right? 
that's, that's personal revival. We talk about then also um, the big moments of revival through history. So American, American history is marked by periods of strong revival where the Holy Spirit has come and poured himself out. He's been poured out powerfully upon meetings and upon churches and sometimes for on, you know, years on end with meetings with incredible healings, um, incredible things taking place in people's lives on a corporate level. I, that's revival, but I really want to talk about the, the personal it's the personal revival. Because we, we choose ourselves whether I want my heart to be for the Lord, fully yielded, fully surrendered, or whether I kind of want a bit of Jesus or I just want life I might, to do my own thing, my own agenda, the vision that I have for my life. God, come and fulfill that for me. It's a big, big difference. And it's talked about a lot in church. I've got a vision and God's going to make it happen. No. <laughs> no. God has a vision and we get in line with what he is doing. That's what... That's what this church is, has been about. God said this church would be a church to me way back. He just said very, very specifically one day, I want my church my way. So loud, it kind of like thunderous loud. And I knew what he meant is because I've been in church all my life and I know a lot of people have a different experience uh, with church, no big deal. But, you know, I've seen where there's been church that's been great and there's been church that's really been very the invention of man, um, which is religion. And the, or the invention of um, even the enemy sometimes, which is just a, a way of doing church that does not help people. It is not leading people to Jesus. It is not um, leading people to the Saviour. It is not leading them to a strong foundation where their life is really fully anchored in who Jesus is. It might be anchored in some nice-sounding rhetoric, um, nice-sounding phrases that men can come up with, because we're really smart. We can come up with a lot of really great-sounding things. But I just know God wants his church his way. And so if that means we sit in the dark and we just still talk about Jesus and we can do it with open hearts before him because of who he is and what he's done for us and there's an openness before heaven, a longing to see heaven have his way through our lives and through our hearts and through our city, then that, that's, you're in a place of revival. If that's, if that's the cry of your heart, is, I'm just desperately longing for God to move in me, through me and in my city, in my nation, that's, that's a place of revival. That's really, that's just the personal ongoing revival. Um, it's, it's not, it's not um, something that we can manufacture. It's not something that we can schedule on our calendars. We don't schedule revival meetings necessarily. We can schedule meetings where we have lots of prayer and lots of worship and that's great and I say do it, do it, do it. But the revival is the personal choice and so when we have a collective heart here of, of more than one, more than two, three, four, the whole room full of people who were just going, I, I just want Jesus, no matter the cost, I want Jesus, no matter what it costs my life personally, my family, I'm, I just want Jesus and I'm going to follow him all the days of my life. That is a heart and revival. And that is my heart that this would be a church that are just full of people who are going to obey, obey him at all costs. I count the cost, right? But understand the cost that we lay down in the side of the flesh, the personal other agendas, when we lay that stuff down and pick up his, the exchange that we get is we get him and it's so much greater than any earthly cost, any earthly price that we could pay. Yeah. Right? Um, I used this scripture a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to say it again though. It's the Second Chronicles 7. The whole chapter is great but I'm just going to read um, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin 
and I will heal their land. So the, a couple of weeks ago, we really did talk about repentance and what it really means to be people who will run away from sin, hate it, like have such a growing distaste in our lives from sin because, this, you know, the world makes very, very little of sin right now. Even some of the church makes very little of sin, but sin, all it does is create distance between me and my saviour in my heart. He doesn't go anywhere. I walk away when I'm just tolerating sin. That's what we talked about a few a few weeks ago with this message. And I, I, I hope and pray, and all the time the prayer teams when we meet, is one of the constant things we are praying is that this would be a church full of people who will humble themselves and repent of anything, the least little thing that the Holy Spirit might highlight in our heart that we just run away from and repent with tears, going, sorry, sorry that I allowed that to continue in my life and create distance because I want you more than I want the stuff I'm hanging on to, right? It's, it's got to be that. I want Jesus. I want my life filled with the Holy Spirit more than the things that the world would throw at me or the enemy would throw at me, the distractions, the social media the bills that have got to get paid, the job, the social life, the interaction with friends. All of that stuff is great, right? It's not don't have a social life. It's not don't work and have a job and pay bills. It's not don't do that. It's don't allow that stuff to have first place in your heart. The first place in our heart has got to be Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, Father, the Trinity, three different persons, and they all have... Uh, things to say to you, give to you, put into your heart in ways that will create in you great, great faith in your heart. Even the faith that we have comes from him. It originates from him. Faith itself is a gift from him. Faith, the word faith is pistis in Greek. It just means to be persuaded to believe in him. That's it. It's just, I believe, I believe in Jesus Christ and I pray all the time, God, help my faith. I want my faith to grow. It's a good prayer to pray. Help my faith. The man the man, one man held out his hand to Jesus said, Lord, I believe, but help my faith. Right, I know, I talk about that with Richard. Lord, I believe, but help my faith. So the prayer to increase the faith and increase the belief. That's a good prayer. It's in scripture. But let that be the constant in our heart, the constant conversation back to heaven is, Lord, I believe, but help my faith. I want to see more. I want to do more for you, serve you, love you, honour you, bring glory to you. Have you have your way fully in me. That's what personal revival is. Good. Right? I'm going to tell a story. Um, oh, I'll tell a few stories. My little daughter is here and because um, we don't have kids tonight. <laughs> um, just three weeks ago, um, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And um, it was a Monday morning. We're in the emergency room and they sent us over to the PIC unit, the paediatric uh, intensive care unit, PICU. Um, so we, all day there, and they're saying horrible things. Of course, they're saying everything that could possibly be wrong and all of the horrible stuff. And you could, you could allow that whirlwind of words and diagnosis, which is flying around the room, hit your heart and overwhelm you and let your emotions be, uh, you know, poured out all over the floor, which is okay to do that as a human, right? I'm not saying don't have emotions. I'm not saying, not saying don't feel. What I'm saying is in that place where there is diagnosis, that's going around and she's hooked up to I don't know how many machines with all kinds of tubes coming in and out of her. In that place, I started praying and I started praying, Lord, why? I would take this from her. I would take this as a parent. Every parent does that. You don't want your child to suffer. So I was in that place. I was holding her, holding her, cuddling her. She's hooked up so it's kind of like awkwardly leaning over the bed. Lord, why? I, not why. 
I don't have to know the why. We have an enemy who hates us. He seeks to steal, kill and destroy by any means he can. He impoverishes. That is what he does. God does not send sickness, right? God does not. So it wasn't the why, but it was the, Lord, I would take this. And I've heard from heaven so strongly. He said, I already did. Just in that, in that pick unit, nurses coming and going, but the sound of heaven is, I already did. And it wasn't just in that moment for me with my daughter and the thing that she's being diagnosed with right now. It was in that moment was the revelation of every sickness, every disease, every bit of brokenness, yeah, all yeah. of sin was completely taken, completely destroyed in that moment when, he, when Jesus was on the cross and he died in our place. He took what, was, what we were due, all of the punishment for sin, but not only that, paid all of the price for all of the shame, all of the guilt, all of the condemnation has been fully broken off us, but also so was all sickness yeah. and all disease was fully broken off us. He took it upon him on the cross. And so those words were, I'll cry actually. I already did. He already took it. And so it left me there holding my daughter and changed the way I started praying in the PICU. And we were there for, I don't know, five days. I don't even know. Five days. But um, into the night, I was just lying down next to her bed, still crying, um, worshipping. Tears rolling down my face and um, the nurses at one point closed the door. <laughs> it was a little too loud. Praying in tongues. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't care at that point. Like, really? I don't care about the opinion of man. I want Jesus in the room. Um, so I was praying and um, I, just, the, I, I, some, I just started vibrating with the presence of God was in the room very strongly. It was probably midnight. So Monday morning at 7 a.m. we went in. It was this midnight same, like that night. I was just lying on the bed, like vibrating for the next two hours and just singing and worshipping. And what happened in me in those moments were it wasn't just now about my daughter and our pain, her pain, my pain being her parent. It didn't become that. It became every child in the hospital. Because that's what God wants our hearts to be able to think about and have the capacity to understand. It's not just the crisis that we walk through. It's not just the pain of the diagnosis that we might receive. It is about all of the people around about us who really need to know the message of Jesus Christ, who need to know that they can be healed, that they can be made whole, that there's heaven is, is waiting for them to respond with a, yes, I want you, Jesus, right? And so, so that night, he, he just broke in me the self-pity party that might happen. And we all do this. It's okay to talk about this, right? He broke any of the self-pity, the self, the why, the, oh, me, my family. He broke all of that in a way that was able, I was able for the next few days. He just, walking around praying for other people in the hospital. And now, I don't say that to make good of me, because I'm not good. He is good, and he is in me, and that's the thing. If we allow him to be all in us and big in us, we get to do great God exploits on the earth. Good. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so the moment we let go of ego and push that aside, or crucify it actually, crucify ego, put down that self, and allow Jesus to fill us, he is giant or powerful or knowing, omniscient, Jesus. When he's allowed to be big on the inside of us, the world can be changed. And it's not about the person, it's about the person allowing Jesus to be the one who's in them, fully filling them, speaking and they're obeying. 
He says, go, go, pray for someone. He says, do this, you go do it. Move from Australia to go be in America. You just do it. It's, it's, it that's the revival. It's obedience. Revival, one of the things... I'm not even using my notes. I'm sorry. I just read... Oh, that's a note. That's, a note. that's like point 10. That's good. Um, revival, a heart in revival is very, very simply a heart that has just said a great big yes to God. Yep. And no matter what circumstance and or situation in life, you've just said yes over and over again and over again. And, and I said already, no matter the cost. And so a revival brings great obedience in our heart. In the hospital room, the worship in the hospital room was creating in me a thankfulness and a gratitude back to heaven in spite of what was going on. And so I lay on the bed there shaking in, in glory because presence was strong in the room. And it was just a thankfulness and a gratitude that was flowing out of that room in the moment. And right now, Bella is not healed, but I'm going to pray until she is. Amen. Right? We had a doctor's appointment about five days later after you get out of hospital. They say, come back. We want to see you. So, um, in the morning, I was just reading some scriptures. I don't even know where my Bible is. And it's dark. I was reading some scriptures. And this is a parallel Bible. It's NIV on one side and Amplified on the other. Um, typically in the NIV side, mostly. Um, and I, but this morning, that morning, I was just reading the, the, the parallel in the Amplified. And it was um, all of the sick... All of the sick came out to Jesus and he cured them all. The Amplified says cured. The NIV, which I'm mostly in, says healed. But that's what I took, but it, this is like 7 o'clock in the morning. Cured was the word that jumped off the page and landed in my heart. And how good is God? Because four hours later, we were sitting in the hospital room and the nurse looked at us and said, there's no cure for this. But God had already seen fit to make sure I had yeah, his good. word in my heart yeah. on, from a different be. version yep. that I don't even typically read. Yep. That's so good. Cured. Everybody was cured. So the words from that woman bounced off me. And not that she's just doing a job, right? Yeah, we don't yeah, hate yeah. on people ever. Right? We just they let them do their job. But, but let the Holy Spirit do his job in us. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Good. Yeah. So, another story. In revival, when your heart is in revival, the opinion of man just does not matter. Because what you're focused on is the opinion of heaven. God's opinion of you is what matters. How he thinks about you, what he's saying over your life, what he says to you personally or to you for others. The opinion of heaven is what matters. And I, and I have to say, God is not looking at you harshly, critically, with a, with a oh, you messed up yesterday. You failed about that yesterday. You, look what you did last week. Oh, my gosh, look at that mistake you made last year. That is not the opinion of heaven over you. The opinion of heaven over you is well done, good and faithful servant, just like it was with Jesus before he even ever did one thing to serve God. Well done, good and faithful servant. That was said over Jesus at his baptism. He hadn't even begun ministering. He just got baptised. Well done, good and faithful servant. And so if you can hear from heaven, the voice of heaven over you, Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus dances over us. I think it's in Proverbs verse 8. Wisdom, I wisdom, was there from the beginning. And I was, watch, I was um, watching as, as Father was creating and I was dancing over all creation. That's Jesus. Mm. He's still dancing over you with great delight today. Great, great delight. He looks at you with eyes of blazing hot love, passionate, pursuing your heart relentlessly, mm. wanting you to respond to him. Every day, every moment of every day, just the turn of our heart 
is what he's just longing for, longing over you, longing to get your attention because he has so much to say to you. I could stand here and say things but nowhere near as good as the things that he wants to personally say to you. He's wildly, passionately in love with all of you, every single person in this room. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. He might ask you sometimes to repent of some things but never in a harsh, dictatorial, mm -hmm. tyrannical, mean... He's not mean God. He's not waiting to strike us with lightning. <laughs> he, he, he's loving, loving, gender, um, tender, gentle, like tender-handed father. He does want us disciplined, but it's never harsh. It's never in a, in a harsh way that is causing us to smart with pain or come under condemnation. He does not put guilt on us. The devil puts guilt on us. The devil puts shame on and condemnation. Yeah. The Bible says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus and you're feeling condemnation, you've got to just say, uh-uh, there's no condemnation because I am in Christ. Sometimes it comes through people's voices around about us. I get that. But that's just because the devil's using them. Love that person, but just go, uh-uh, I don't need to hear that. Uh-uh. I know who I am in Christ. And he's... He's dancing over me with great joy. Literally, great joy, great delight over your life. Wildly, passionately in love with you. Um, I still haven't got to the main story that I was going to tell you. <laughs> it's all right. Um, uh, there's a man called, um, I might butcher his name. He's American, but it's a... a, don a don mm. It's a really, it's Adoniram, Adoniram. Does anybody know how to say that better? No? <laughs> Shout it out, no? Adoniram. His last name's Judson, we'll just go with that. <laughs> Judson. <laughs> Judson was a missionary. He was born in 1788 um, and he lived until um, 1855 when he died. He was American born but he moved when he's, Early, maybe about 20 years old, he moved to Burma because the Holy Spirit just called him there. And he spent, he moved with a wife, by the way, he spent, he spent the first 10 years, hard, hard years, trying to break open um, Burma with prayer, with gospel preaching. Um, and um, his first wife died. He married again. And I don't know when the kids came exactly, but his first wife died and within the 10-year period. And his second wife died within the 10-year period. Then his seven kids, I don't know which wives they came from, <laughs> seven kids all died within the first short period of him being in Burma. He spent the next um, 25 to 30 years still in Burma, hard, hard, labouring for the Lord, but his own heart in a place of great revival because his writings, he talks about it, he talks about this the overflowing joy that he continually felt, even at great loss of kids, even at great loss of two wives, even at great loss of um, sickness that they had to walk through, and, and not just them, but many people around them. They didn't have the hygiene we have today, so lives were shorter. Um, people, babies died often, more often at childbirth because they didn't have the health resources that we do today. But, but Adam uh, Judson, within the first 15 to 20 years, after this hard, hard labour, hard work, but also a heart and revival. He had a church, but there was only 18 people in it. And I don't know about you, but I think, I'm like, 18, God, after 20 years? 
I'm packing up and going back to Australia. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I would. I'd, he, he, he said this, and this is what brings me to tears, because I, I pray that this is our heart. He just said, I just want to live to serve my Jesus. I just want to live to serve my Jesus. And so he stayed in Burma after losing two wives and seven kids and lots of, lots of pain and heartache in that process. And the next little portion of his life before he died himself of sickness, he was able to plant 63 churches. And they weren't big churches. They weren't massive. But this man went to his grave with a heart that just went, I'm going to just serve my Lord Jesus, no matter the cost. The pain has been great pain. I've lost two wives. I've lost seven kids. I've been sick myself. But I'm going to serve my Lord Jesus. And even in the hard, hard places, Burma had not been open to the gospel previous to this. He died in 17... 50, uh, 18, 1855. Over the next 100 years of his life, through his direct mission, influence, and the little churches that he began, 4 million Burmese people came into the kingdom. Wow. He didn't live to see it. And this is what gets my heart, because uh, how willing are we just to obey until the very end? He died of sickness. He got sick in Burma and went, I've got to go back to a hospital in America. He died on the, on the boat trip back. Never even made it back to America. Didn't see the fruit of, the, of what happened through his own hands and labour and toil. But he lived obediently. And that's really what a, it's the story of revival. He's just one man with a heart in revival, willing to pay any price to serve the Lord and understand that no matter the cost, I'm going to pay. I'm good for the cost, Jesus, because I get you in exchange. And I've lost two wives and I've lost seven kids. I'm not praying that over anybody here. <laughs> so, but, but you can understand. If you can understand, just a couple of weeks ago, I'm in the hospital. Or just a couple of weeks ago, we lost little Lisa. Out of this congregation, a little three-year-old baby girl. Or just a couple of weeks ago, Sammy's lost two family members. I haven't even told you this. Also in the same period, the last two months, I've lost three family members. Um, two, two in England and one in America. There's a lot that is hitting our congregation, right? And not just our congregation, by the way. Look at Dayton. Look at El Paso. Just even three months ago, two months ago, the massacre that happened in our own city. The enemy roars. He's roaring lion, toothless. But if God has a few people on the earth who were just going to be planted and just go, oh, I know there's a cost but I'm good for the cost. I'm good for this. Who knows what's on the other end of it? Judson, Adoram Judson. Four million souls come into kingdom in the next 100 years. Purely because he just stayed obedient. Yeah. He just went, I'm good for the cost. It's a high, he paid a high, high price. I'm good for the cost because I know my joy set before me is the Lord Jesus Christ. The joy set, and, and by the way, that's what Jesus said, the joy set before him on the cross was you and me. His, his price ultimately was his death on the cross, but he could see you and me. And that's what this is about. Revival. If your heart is in revival, you just live with an unrelenting, unrelenting willingness for obedience to the Lord. Revival has great, great reward. Um, I've talked about the cost. I do want to just talk about the, the offer of friendship that we have, every single person in this room, the offer of friendship that we have with the Lord Jesus is 
unending. He is unendingly pursuing your heart. And even if you're in the place of relationship, he's still asking you to come deeper, come deeper. But it's in um, Psalm 42 verse 7, it's deep calls to deep in the roar of your waters. All of your waves and breakers have swept over me. Verse 8 says this, By day the Lord directs his love, and at night his song is within me. A prayer to the God of my life. But here's the thing, is the deep, 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 seeks the deep, the deep things of God become yours in the deep place. When you have given over and yielded everything that you have, if you just fully yielded over that place, that deep place of you is met by God because he wants to reside. His spirit, Holy Spirit resides in the deepest part of who we are, our human spirit. And when we allow him to go really deep and probe every single area of our life, there's that deep place of relationship. No more shallow God, no more shallow doing life, sometimes in the world, sometimes in church, sometimes out of church, sometimes with God, sometimes not with God. This, the deep place of him becomes your deep, deep, your great, great reward. Great reward. He wants to be your friend. He wants to speak to you every single day and give you incredible joy and peace and kindness and patience. All of the fruit of the spirit becomes yours, but that place of the reward, revival's reward, is friendship with the God of heaven. Don't you want that? Like, I want that. He makes himself known. He fills your heart. The greatest dignity any one of us can be given is that Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence inside you. All insecurity goes, leaves your life fully. And you understand you're filled with the presence of God in your life. Why would you be insecure after that? Yeah. Other than you have still areas to yield over to him. Yeah. The greatest dignity a person can have is that they're filled with the spirit of God. He comes and lives on the inside of you. Doesn't that change your thinking? Doesn't that make you just go, who is this God that wants to have relationship with me and have me talk to him and him talk back and have me worship him? And by the way, him sing back. <laughs> he sings back. I've heard it. Yeah, he sure does. That's what revival's reward is. It's incredible friendship. I just, you know, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, though. And he won't push his way into our lives. He won't bombard us. If we're too busy for him, he'll kind of just go, okay. He'll always be there waiting for you just to go, yeah, I want you. But he will. He, he, won't, he won't push his way in. He's a gentleman. Gentlest of gentlemen. I'm going to ask tonight. I'm just really, I'm going to ask... If you can just um, bow your heads, I'm just going to pray. And um, I, I, anybody, if you want more of him and more relationship and greater depth of intimacy, this is the time. Just reach out in that heart, the deep place in you. It's the cry of your heart that he answers. The hungry heart he meets. All right? So we're just going to pray. Um, Father, We're hungry, Father. We're hungry yeah. for you, Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, we ask you come in, set up 
and make yourself at home in our lives. Come in and make yourself at home fully in our lives. Transform, touch any area. We give you permission to go so, so deep in us, to probe and poke around in our lives and to kick out things or shine your light on things that you want us um, to repent of or give over to you, God. We give you permission. I pray for deep, deep hunger in people's hearts here tonight. I pray that there'd be every single thing, anything that he's highlighted to you right now, just give it over to him right now. Jesus, I pray, Father, um, highlight things for people. If, 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 if there's not, don't worry. Just keep going. I just want you, God. I want more of you, God. So, Father, I pray, increase our hunger, increase the passion in our heart, increase the wild love in our heart. I pray that it would burn so bright, so bright, that we would be uh, literally like white hot in love with you, white hot, passionate for you, chasing you down, Father, understanding it's not really us chasing you. You're the one, you've the one you pursued us. You're the one who pursued us this whole time. So it's more like we kind of fell over and turned our face toward you. I pray, Father, for increase of encounter for people. I pray increase of hearing. I pray the eyes and ears of people's hearts would be open to seeing and knowing you, God. It's the knowing, the knowing through experience, by experience, that we know you, God. You are the one who says you're responsible for the faith in our heart and we're crying out to you, God. We believe, but we want more faith. We believe, but we're asking for more. We want miracles. We want to see this city come to know you. We want to see revival hit this city, that your Holy Spirit would be poured out in a great, great measure but even tonight even in the hearts here tonight God every individual's heart here tonight I pray would be in revival and seeking after you as the vital thing in our life that you would be the the passion in our life the thing that we're living for God um, that you take us to heaven the minute we stop we just want you God we want you God we want you Jesus yeah we want you Jesus Thank you, Father. Yeah. Thank you, Father. You are gentle. You are kind. And we have no need to be afraid. Yeah. And I pray, I just prayed that because I felt someone in here might needed to hear that. Is There's no need to be afraid. His hand is gentle and he is kind. And he will do this in a very gentle way in your heart. Very gently in your heart. He's very gentle. He's very kind. He's very kind. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that all of our life, you take care of us. You're a good father. You take care of us. And your word even says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. All the things are the worries and the concerns and the jobs and the bills and the food and the raising of families. All these things will be taken care of. And Father, help us all the more. Fix our eyes on Jesus all the more. To seek you all the more. To seek the kingdom of God all the more. And Father, I pray, raise the faith level in our heart to believe in you no matter the cost and to follow you no matter the cost and to live, live our lives fully, fully dependent on you, God. Teach us. Teach us, Holy Spirit. It's that... We have no need of a teacher because you are inside us, Holy Spirit, and you fill us. It's the anointing that continually abides with us. And we thank you. We thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you that you give us revelation. We thank you that you lead us. We thank you that you direct us. We thank you that every moment you are with us and ready to help us in every moment. We're never alone. You never leave us. And we thank you for this, Jesus. 
I'm in. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.